You're listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Brought to you in association with OvertimeIreland.com. Now, here's the OTI guys. Hello and welcome back to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. As always, myself, Colin Kelly, bringing you yet another show. Hope things are going good since we last were with you. Uh, the, the preview show obviously came out last Friday. Uh, things going well over the weekend. Some very, very interesting games to talk about on today's show. Going to be joined on the show today by Will Gavin. Will is part of the Gridiron magazine over in the UK with NFL UK, and he's also part of their podcast there as well. Some of you might remember him from the Tuesday morning football days, and uh, of course, Tuesday morning football no longer going, but uh, was a great podcast while it was on the air. So Will's going to be joining us in just about one or two minutes. As always, I'd like to get a few, few plugs in to start uh, the show. Obviously, uh, OTI Fantasy 5 has been going each and every week. Another week off it this week. Uh, at the time of recording, I don't have the actual result to hand, but I have a feeling that I might have been pretty close to winning it because my team uh, tweeted it out. was insisting of Andrew Luck and uh, T.Y. Hilton, who linked up a couple of times for long touchdowns. Uh, Todd Gurley, who I predicted last week on the show, would have at least two touchdowns against the Cleveland Browns, which he did. And then... Uh, Julio Jones and Matt Ryan as well so a couple of touchdown scorers there some with uh, double touchdowns so uh, hopefully we'll see when the results come out maybe I've got it on that but uh, that's OTI Fantasy 5 check it out on OvertimeIreland.com pick five players each week from the entire slate of NFL games and uh, whoever wins gets the prize £3 to enter the winner takes the pool and that's in association with fanfeud.co.uk uh, of course thanks for listening to the show thanks for tuning in we're available on Stitcher iTunes tune in uh, OvertimeIreland.com as well as a stream but I'm sure you've already figured out one of those because you're listening to the show but thanks for downloading if it's your first time please hit that subscribe button uh, keep coming back and keep spreading the word as well to all your friends who watch the NFL of course and uh, NFL on in Wembley this week and more and more people are getting involved in the UK and Ireland listening to the game watching the game so be sure and uh, keep spreading the word of Overtime Ireland and as our listeners keep increasing as our followers keep going up on Twitter and uh, of course follow us at Overtime Ireland on Twitter. I guess that's all the plugs in and out of the way, and uh, let's get into the Week 7 Recap. Let's recap this weekend's NFL action. It's the OTI Weekend Roundup. Joined now on the podcast by Will Gavin. Will, formerly of the the great uh, Tuesday Morning Football podcast that uh, I was a big fan of now, moved over to the Gridiron podcast, but calling me here via Skype using the old uh, Tuesday Morning Football (laughs) handle for those behind the scenes. But uh, thanks for joining us, Will. No worries. Real pleasure. Thanks for having us on. NFC. Yeah, we've been. Oh, uh, no, I've right just allowed something to play off my computer, and you're going to have to now. Uh, <laughs> do a pop. Oh well, just for uh, you know, we'll we'll leave that in just to show that uh, <laughs> it's not me that's been unprofessional on on the side here. But no, we had a, we had a few issues uh, getting us hooked up, but thankfully we've got it all set up now. We're on, but we've been we've been going uh, trying to set up to get you on the show for quite some time, but finally, finally, we've got it done, and um, looking forward to talking all things NFL Week Seven with you. Will you were over uh, in Wembley, obviously at the. Uh, at the game this weekend and um, I did send you a message to say it was quite the fourth quarter but it was a pretty good game overall and I watched it here from Melbourne Australia stayed up uh, to three o'clock in the morning watched it and then watched the other games uh, on Monday evening but what did you make of it from a perspective in the stadium and uh, how was the crowd for this one? Well I was going to ask you so you didn't wake up with the world you went to bed with the world did you? Yeah, I went, to, I went to bed with the world, so um, started here at half 12 uh, in the morning, so you're kind of average Sunday night football, just around that time if you were in the UK, and finished up then around 3 o'clock, but what I've been doing, some of the people on Twitter might notice that the Overtime Ireland Twitter feed has been a little bit quieter during the games, and uh, my brother DJ has been manning the station for that, but I've been working Mondays here, so what I've been doing is uh, 
having an internet blackout each and every uh, Monday and then when I get home watching the, the red zone in its entirety without knowing the score so it's been difficult a few times uh, I've seen a few scores pop up in different things but thankfully uh, it hasn't been a disaster so far and uh, enjoying doing it that way but it's not as good as watching it with the world as, as you mentioned <laughs> Look, um, uh, first of all you asked about the crowd it was brilliant uh, genuinely uh, there were a lot of Bills fans in a lot of jerseys I spoke to a lot of Bills fans who had come over from Buffalo as well, uh, who'd, who'd actually made the trip for the game. But I really think that uh, London and, and Britain as a whole are getting behind the Jags and, and really taking them on. And the fact they finally got their first London win, I think it's going to make a big, big difference for that. In terms of the game itself, I mean, you mentioned it yourself, great fourth quarter. This was kind of one of those odd ones that was almost a sneaky bad game because uh, great second quarter. But, I mean, first quarter wasn't terrible. We saw a couple of three and outs. Uh, Big holding calls against the Jags, costing them first downs on their first two drives, which really kind of pinned them back a bit. But their defense really played up. Chris Clemens had a fantastic game. Aaron Colvin coming off uh, corner, blitzing also in coverage was brilliant. And, and overall, I thought the Jags defense looked like the best unit on the field of the four to six units that you had out there. But uh, they, they obviously scored the, the quick touchdowns in the second quarter to take that big lead. And just when it looked like they were going to blow it in the most Jags way humanly possible, uh, they pulled it out at the death. And, and honestly, I, the stadium absolutely lost it for Alan Hearns' touchdown. Even though probably, I'd say, kind of 15, 20% of people had left to go and watch the other games. I think when the Bills came back into it, people thought that was good. Really? But, I mean, yeah, in the second half, the Jags, uh, they came out and Bortles, who'd been so impressive in the first half, and I think has been really impressive over the last few weeks, uh, best quarterback playing in the AFC South at the moment, that's for sure. Um, mm. he, he was, Don't forget about Matt Hasselbeck. <laughs> um, he, overall, his level of play was, was excellent. But in that second half, he came out and they just couldn't get a, a drive going for love nor money. TJ Yeldon, who'd been so good in the first half, started getting stopped. And then the one drive they did get, they drive down, get to the one-yard line. Uh, they picked up one big penalty on that. But uh, and Blake Bortles miraculously kept throwing uh, to the left-hand side of the field and kept finding his guys despite going up against uh, Gilmore on that side who should have been causing him trouble and really wasn't. But they got down to the one-yard line and they ran it four times without using TJ Eldon. Toby Gerhardt got four consecutive carries and couldn't get it over the yep. Just a, a terrible piece of play calling from an otherwise well-coached game overall. Um, but, yeah, the Jags coming back into it. To go down and, and to have Bortles picked off and then pick himself up and go on that final drive was fantastic to see a real boost for the team and in the locker room afterwards you know if you've lost a big lead like that and you've managed to just about pull it out you thought it might be an air of relief but it was like a party in there they were dancing in front of the cameras they were whooping they were singing everyone was having a great time everyone was talking to the press even the sorts of players you know Bortles was doing one-on-ones even though that's not the sort of thing that a quarterback would normally do they'd only go up and yeah. the, the press conference yeah everyone was there everyone was up for talking and it was really good fun so uh, yeah delighted to get the first Jags win I have to admit by the end of that fourth quarter I was a full-on Jags fan even you know <laughs> any kind of semblance of neutrality in the press box had gone right out of the window. Yeah, a massive, massive win for them based on the projection of their future. You know, with Gus Bradley, you know, they need to start picking up some wins. And with them being so far in the lead, if they had lost this, you know, you know that bye week now to go, you could have seen questions being asked about Gus Bradley, although I do think his job's safe, and this is definitely going to help. If they had blown a big lead like that, uh, you know, it, it wouldn't have been good reading for the next few weeks for the Jacksonville Jaguars fans. But the two the two Allens, uh, you know, the two wide receivers looking very good. And you mentioned that getting down to the, the kind of one-yard line and running it four times. Imagine the talking points if they don't come back and win this game on that decision, they don't take the field goal. 
Uh, obviously, when you're down there, you try and punch it in. But to go with to- Toby Gerhard in the, the four occasions, and you're, you're after paying big money to get Julius Thomas as well, and you don't target him after the the, the penalty was for a foul on Julius Thomas, then you don't target him in any of those four plays. So, just uh, strange, strange decisions, but a big win for them. And the stadium looked to be rocking at the end, and uh, I'm sure it was a pretty good one to be at. But the other games around the, the league in this week, um, and you mentioned, sorry, first the atmosphere in the locker room. <laughs> if they don't score there, I think uh, the atmosphere would be a little bit different as well. But Other big game of the week, the New England Patriots um, getting a win against the New York Jets. Very, very close in the end in this one, and uh, the, the Jets actually having a chance to have a chance to tie it up. They could have had a chance for a Hail Mary. Branton Marshall recovers the uh, fumble. He's been playing, ver- or the onside kick. He's been playing very well in recent weeks, but he's had a couple of boneheaded decisions too, and he didn't line up properly uh, as they go for the snap, and there was a 10-second runoff with only one second left on the clock. Obviously, the game uh, expired in the loss for the Jets, but the Patriots with a fourth-quarter comeback in this one, uh, looking good overall. Kinda, uh, we're missing Dion Lewis in this, so decided they weren't going to rush the ball at all. Uh, <laughs> Tom Brady finishing as the highest rusher, had a rushing touchdown for them, and a big game in this for uh, Amendola as well, uh, kind of leading the Patriots line. Uh, Edelman with a few drops over the last couple of weeks, so Amendola stepping up in a, a big spot here for them. The, the Jets could probably find themselves unlucky in this one, and um, I think overall uh, the Patriots probably deserved the win, but the, the Jets showing some real fight and uh, showing that they're going to stick around for the rest of the season, I think. Yeah, definitely. I, I went into this game saying this was the Patriots' best chance of, of losing a game so far this season. I do think the Jets have been the best team that they've faced. Uh, you mentioned the rushing. I mean, nine, nine overall rushes. Tom Brady ran four of those, uh, throwing <laughs> 54 times. And to have double-digit drops in a game and still come out on top. Uh, Brandon have dropped yeah. five and everyone else conspired to drop another five of his passes think about what a game he would have had if those balls had been caught Uh, he was fantastic as he has been all season I'm still reasonably convinced that this Patriots team is beatable I know a lot of people want to look at those uh, want to look at those remaining unbeaten teams and talk about who could possibly run the table I think the Patriots have got some tough games they've got the Dolphins coming up on Thursday night they should they should win that, but the Dolphins have been a different team since Dan Campbell took over. They still have to go to the Giants. They still have to go to the Broncos. And I think when they face these teams who have got a nice stout defense, who can get some pressure and who can get a bit of pressure on their secondary. I know Malcolm Butler has been fantastic uh, since he made a big mistake in week one and then basically since then has been lights out. But uh, I think they've got a secondary that can be picked on a little bit. And, yeah, the Jets certainly showed that what happened against the Colts and against the Cowboys in fits and starts, if a team can put it all together and play a, a more well-rounded game than the Patriots are beatable this year, still expect them to uh, dominate the AFC overall, but there are some teams on the other side of the ball, uh, well, AFC up until they get into a, a, a fight with the Red Rifle and the Bengals. Uh, <laughs> until that point, then uh, I, I kind of, I'm torn on it. I really, I'd like to see this uh, division be- become more competitive. I've loved watching the Dolphins come back into it in the last two weeks. Having seen the Bills capitulate like they did in the first half yesterday, I really thought the AFC East was up for grabs this year and the Patriots have just proved us wrong. But I think you are right. If The, the Jets uh, are... People like Fitzpatrick this year, but I think they're a quarterback away from being a great team. Yeah, some very nice pieces. Decker with another good game. Uh, you mentioned Fitzpatrick took some big, big hits in this game and uh, I'm sure they won't want to see him do that each and every week. 
Uh, Geno Smith still obviously on the bench for them. You mentioned they're a quarterback away. I don't think he's the answer there. But I think uh, overall the Patriots, they have looked good, but uh, let's not just get carried away. There's a couple of teams with winning records, very strong winning records like the Patriots, and you mentioned it's been a bit of an easy schedule when you look at what the Colts have done in the last few weeks uh, and the mistakes they've made. They don't look as good as we thought they would be. The Cowboys are on a bit of a downward spiral at the moment without Tony Romo and Des Bryant. So they've had those teams to play as well, helping them along. But I do think, uh, you know, if you look at last season where they were after four weeks and then you look where they are now after seven weeks, they're uh, in quite a nice spot going for the rest of the season. I mentioned the Colts there. They uh, were on the losing end to the New Orleans Saints in a game that really never stood any chance of being competitive from the very start. The Colts did mount a little bit of a comeback at the end, lost this one by six points, but uh, looked absolutely atrocious in doing so, and kind of the only bright spot for them was probably the, the performance of T.Y. Hilton. The rest of the the rest of the game was pretty much abysmal, and the, the New Orleans Saints on the road, where they're usually not that strong, have a, a dominant and win, and it's back-to-back wins for Drew Brees and the Saints. It, it was indoors. That's the one thing I'll say for the Saints. Whilst oh, they true. might be on the road, <laughs> they still got the chance yeah. to play indoors, which is obviously, as we've seen over the last four or five years, Brees is preferred. Doesn't like getting out in those elements but yeah the way the Colts went down in this game I mean I've watched uh, some of the condensed back of this today because obviously leaving Wembley and trying to get down for the games in yeah. time and, and when we're uh, leaving Wembley and we're trying to catch up with the game streaming game pass on our phones getting on you know looking at box scores etc and when you see that the Saints are, t- are 20 to nothing up uh, including a you know, fake field goal being run and everything else yeah. I mean, that's Sean Payton is ridiculous this is the same team of course the Colts against who he ran that second half onside kick back in the Super Bowl and to do it again today when the game is tied at zeros and go for a fake field goal and end up converting it with the run afterwards is just a ridiculous choice of play but it worked for them the Colts just can't seem to get anything right you know Griff Whalen obviously we all want to talk about his quality snapping the ball what about his quality returning the ball fumbled it not for the first time <laughs> yeah. this year we've seen the ball slip out of his hands and uh yeah, I, I, I think Andrew Luck, I, I mentioned it when I talked about Blake Bortles being the best quarterback in the AFC South, and I really do mean it right now, because Andrew Luck has regressed in a huge way, and even when the offensive line wasn't helping him in the past, he had such great pocket presence, and he seemed calm, and he turned the ball over occasionally, but this year that just seems to have all completely fallen by the wayside, and whilst Pagano will take a lot of the blame, Ryan Grigson, for the way he's built that roster, it just... Getting, you can bring in as many weapons as you want, but if you can't protect your quarterback, every bad team in this league has a bad O-line, and they've just done nothing to improve that side of the ball. He's had something like 17 different starting right guards in the three time years he's been in the league. It's absolutely ridiculous. That's where they need to shore up if they're going to get this team to winning ways, and I mean winning ways in the playoffs. Yeah, it's well documented at how San Diego's offensive line has had so many changes in it. Well, the Colts hasn't been much better, and you know Andrew Luck's not getting great protection, but when you watch the Colts, what it reminds me of at the moment is if you're playing on Madden and uh, you go, say, you're playing all Madden level, you're playing online and, you know, you start start the game, you throw maybe a bad throw and then you end up your 14 points down and instead of just trying to be patient and getting back in, you decide you're going to try and throw, you know, deep passes the whole way down to your fastest receiver the, the entire game and that seems to be what they're doing with either uh, trying to go to Hilton or, T- or, or Dorset or Dorset obviously getting injured in this game, going to Moncrief as well. It just seems to be trying, let's get it all back in one go rather than just let's try and move down the field and get some points on the board and yesterday it just started to snowball and you mentioned they were 21-0 down at one point in this game they did make a comeback but I think the comeback's more down to the Saints having a comfortable lead and just playing within themselves rather than uh, jumping ahead and trying to do anything and you know the Saints defense has looked good in this game and I don't really think they're a good defense so that there says a little bit about the Colts too but uh, the Colts now obviously still in control of that division but 
only for the teams in that division are so poor uh, around them, uh, I think they'd be in real trouble. And that there just gives them a little bit of advantage. Maybe later in the season they can start to click things into gear. But as it goes, I don't think uh, Andrew Luck's shoulder is healed properly, and uh, I just don't think the team's playing very well. So it's going to be interesting to see how they go in the next few weeks. But the, the Saints now, with two good wins back to back, we'll see if they can mount anything. But with the situation with the, the other two teams in that division, the Falcons and the Panthers, uh, really their season isn't going anywhere unless they somehow dramatically go on a run to get a wild card spot, which I can't really see happening. Uh, next game up, the um, the Minnesota Vikings on the road against the Detroit Lions. There had been word coming in that Adrian Peterson uh, had a virus or uh, you know a kind of stomach upset, uh, obviously played in the game and wasn't very effective in this game. The Detroit Lions keeping him very quiet, but the big talking point coming out of this game has been Stefan Diggs. Obviously, the last few weeks has looked good. People wondering, can he keep it going? Will he keep it going? And he connected with a, a really nice uh, deep pass at Teddy Bridgewater through for a very athletic catch. I think overall looks very impressive, and uh, the Vikings have to be impressed with what they've found in him. They fell behind early in this game, a bit like the Colts, but they were able to mount a comeback and ended up winning the game pretty easily and shutting uh, the Detroit Lions down in the second half. Did you see much of this one? I did see a good amount of this one. This is one of the games I've chosen to watch back today, and I have to say, uh, in particular, when you talk about the Vikings, Stefan Diggs in there, but when you also add to it, I thought Eric Kendricks was absolutely excellent uh, yesterday. Yeah. Uh, look at the guys who they picked up in 2014. I thought Anthony Barr was phenomenal yesterday. Obviously, in Teddy Bridgewater, they find a guy they're going to trust long-term. They've drafted at the top end of drafts really well the last couple of years, having picked up all those additional first-round picks, and they're really building a roster. And that defense, I mean, it was the I think it was the number three ranked defense going into this weekend. And when you get the opportunity to put that defense up against a Lions offensive line, which is an absolute mess and has, of course, led today to the firing of Joe Lombardi and all the yeah, line yeah. coaches as well. Uh, you know, that, that just shows how bad the things were things were for the Lions. But it also gives you an idea of what the Vikings got to go up against yesterday. Uh, I still stand by the fact that I think Bridgewater needs to develop some of his mechanics. It's, he seems to be able to handle games well, but any time he tries to throw the ball over about 20 yards, it looks very wobbly, very flat at times. Um, I also think that the Vikings, I think a lot of people today are going, the Vikings are 4-2, and two. are they sneaky for the wild card, etc.? Don't forget they have played the Lions twice. Uh, they played a very down Chargers team, uh, and they, Chiefs. They, they lost to the 49ers on the open day, let's be honest. Yeah. So, uh, with the Bears still to play twice this year, you expect they can get a fair few wins, but they've got a run of games against the Packers, Falcons, Seahawks, Cardinals. I think that's about weeks 10 through 14 in that range there. And that's where you're really going to see whether this young Vikings team is, is worth its salt. Yeah, you kind of they'll need to go kind of two and two through them four games, and I don't know if they can do that. But you mentioned the defense. Uh, I don't think anyone's drafted probably as well as this team in the last two years. Their drafts have worked out really well for them so far. Um, when you look at Bridgewater, he hasn't been doing a lot in games, but he's been doing enough to keep the teams ticking over. The defense has been very strong. They've been kind of riding Adrian Peterson a bit, but there's a couple of games that they haven't really gone to him, and they have put the ball a little bit more in Bridgewater's hands. He had a couple of passing touchdowns in this one, and I just think this team's uh, going along quietly. And you know, as I mentioned with the Colts, sometimes teams later in the season find their groove, and I think this is a team that could find that groove. And uh, they just they haven't been overly impressive, but they're just getting the wins. And with a four and two record, I'm sure they'll be very happy with their progress. You mentioned they're playing the Bears, could be two wins there, and then we'll. Just see how the rest of the season goes for them but uh, I don't think they're going to challenge the Packers for that division but they, they still uh, I think have a, a sneaky you know, wild card spot as, as you said there. Um, the Kansas City Chiefs and the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Steelers have kind of overachieved without Ben Roethlisberger in recent weeks but it all come back down to earth in this one. Jarvis Landry, or Landry Jones sorry, getting the, the start of quarterback <laughs> and uh, yeah, 
Jarvis Landry probably could play quarterback. He can pretty much do everything. We'll be talking about him in the next game with the Miami Dolphins. He would undoubtedly do a better job than Michael Vick did over the last couple of weeks. So yeah. So uh, Landry Jones starting. A lot of people, you know, thought he was the the second coming, and uh, he he played well last week when he came in for Michael Vick. Michael Vick had been so bad though, so that's a different story. And uh, then <coughs> they're just trying to get po- or, uh, trying to get a result out of this one. With the Kansas City Chiefs have been decimated by injury the last couple of weeks, losing Jamal Charles. They haven't looked good at all. They get the win here at home quite easily, twenty three to thirteen. And uh, you know, you, you mentioned waking up at the world for the other game. Well, the Kansas City Chiefs at the moment would put you to sleep with the world watching them. Just uh, the, the most boring team, I think, in the history of the NFL, maybe at this stage. Uh, chances to, to get scores so many times where they settle for field goals, and that's their biggest issue at the moment. They are moving the ball, but they just can't punch it in for the touchdowns. And uh, Have you any talking points from this game, or will we just bypass it altogether? Just a very quick one. I think what surprised me about this and what really concerns me about the Steelers going forward, once Ben's back, that's obviously going to be a huge boom for them, and they've got, with Martavis Bryan looking so good the last couple of weeks, this offence could run the table the rest of the time. I don't know if defense, the young pieces they've got occasionally look exciting, occasionally make boneheaded plays. I think you've got it absolutely uh, kind of spot on when you talked about underachieving, overachieving. It's exactly what this game showed up from both teams. But I'm concerned about the Steelers' play calling. I have been for the last few weeks. Look at that Ravens game. They made some terrible calls again last week. And they put Landry Jones in, who is a pocket passer, maybe not a great one, but they played the same style that they played with Vic which was they didn't trust him to throw. And when they actually let him throw late in the game, when they started to get down by one or two scores, you know, great pass down, uh, great touchdown pass to Martavis Bryant, beautiful ball into the back of the end zone. He had a great touchdown pass, which set up the short run uh, for the pass down to the one-yard uh, line. You know, he had a couple of really, really great passes when he was allowed to do it. And I'm not saying Landry Jones is a starting NFL quarterback, but they could have utilised him a lot better early on, and I'm surprised that they didn't change their game plan considering they had a different quarterback in but that could all you know if big ben's back ne- uh, for their next game i think that they're on the bye next week possibly uh, yeah but, i think so yeah so if he's back after that then yeah, it's, it's a different story altogether because he can just run that offense single-handedly yeah with them winning uh, last week too and beating the chargers it gives them that option to to rest ben this week as well get him fully healthy and that was the correct decision so a loss here uh, just keeps them moving of course uh in this game, uh, Jeremy Macklin not playing with the concussion. Uh, Chris Connolly played quite well in his position, uh, done well. The, the nice talking point coming out of this game, I guess we'll leave it on, is uh, Eric Berry obviously coming back from uh, his struggles in the offseason with the leukaemia, or lymphoma, sorry. Has uh, He got a pick in this one and uh, helped the team win the game, so suppose we'll finish that game on a positive. We mentioned the Miami Dolphins and... Uh, you know Jarvis Landry. Well, Jarvis Landry's having a, a phenomenal season so far. You know he was quiet at the start of the season. He was the only kind of him and Rashid Matthews were the two bright spots up until the bye week. I'm sure you've seen this game in Wembley when they sacked uh, Philbin as the head coach. But the Houston Texans came into town here, and they may as well not have turned up for the first half. They were absolutely blown away, a 35 uh, nil lead early in the second quarter, and. Uh, Overall, Tannehill looked pretty good. He's broken the NFL record. I don't see the stats in front of me, but for the most consecutive passes over a two-game stretch, finished with whatever amount of passes last week uh, against the Titans and continued it this week. So he is a new NFL record to go with this big win. It was 41-0 uh, at one point in this, uh, and then they just took the foot off the pedal, off the pedal actually, and finished uh, with, a, with a 44. They only got three points in the second half. So took their foot off the, the pedal. Uh, uh, Lamar Miller looking sensational in this game. Joe Philbin just thought that Lamar Miller was the worst NFL running back uh, going. They didn't want to give him the ball. And we see in two weeks that uh, Lamar Miller's back to what we thought he would be in the offseason. Looking absolutely phenomenal in this game. Uh, 236 total yards and two touchdowns. And uh, as I mentioned, that all in the first half for him. So uh, 
quite a quite a good performance from him. And uh, overall thoughts since the bye week on the Miami Dolphins? Uh, yeah, Dan Campbell's just got them fired up. I mean, it's exactly what you hope for when you make a mid-season coaching change. And actually, I think this is probably working out uh, so far as the best ever mid-season coaching change because normally, probably, it, <laughs> normally it's not the biggest positive to be uh, to be changing a coach at this point. But the difference between, say, Oakland last year and this Miami team this year is there was a huge amount of talent there before Philbin went. So Campbell's managed to come in and work with some great players. I mean, I mentioned the fact that when we were leaving Wembley, we were trying to keep up with the scores from the other game, and I mentioned the Colts game. You imagine what it was like when we're getting texts through telling us that the Dolphins are 35 nothing up and that Tannehill's <laughs> with four touchdowns and 202 yards yeah. already. I mean, actually, what was amazing, uh, the, the uh, Jarvis Landry touchdown was ridiculous not just because the quality of his run was so good, but he had linemen blocking for him all the way up the field by the time he got to the goal line, after he's already run 50, 60 yards, and that's not including the lateral distance he's covered. It it was a great team effort, and actually Tannehill, whilst his stats looked amazing, I think nine of his 19 passes would be on the line of scrimmage, so 10 of his 19 pass attempts were behind the line, and then they were pick up the yards after the cat. Mm. And it just shows how well Miller played, how important Jarvis Landry is to this team, you know, how much more they're using the tight end with Dan Campbell as well in different ways. Um, they Certainly Dan Campbell came out afterwards and talked about the second half, and there's always that thing you can take your foot off the gas when you've taken such a huge lead, huge lead in. But there has to be some concern to give up 26 points to a Texans team who just basically look like they didn't bother turning up. You know, Ryan Mallett missed the flight, and the rest of them might as well have done. This was... <laughs> Yeah, Ryan Mallard, uh, you know, just again, another boneheaded decision from him, but I don't think we'll see him back in the field uh, this season. Maybe we won't see him back in the field in any season. But just overall, uh, a, a phenomenal game. You mentioned that their touchdown of Landry's reminded me a bit of uh, a touchdown against the Miami Dolphins a couple of years back, and it was uh, Giovanni Bernard in Miami. Had a long touchdown run where he kind of ran behind the line of scrimmage maybe for 30 yards before he decided to go forward, weaved over and back the field and had a long touchdown run. Remind me of that one. But uh, overall, the big talking point in this one then on the other side, outside of the dominating performance, is the unfortunate news that Arian Foster had a non-contact injury. It has been diagnosed as a torn Achilles, going to miss the rest of the season, obviously, with that. Not many more worse injuries than a torn Achilles. We've all seen with uh, the patellar tendon injury that Victor Cruz has, how tough it's coming back from any tendon injury. But the Achilles in particular is one that is very, very tough to come back off. It's usually a minimum of nine months, and that's just for a person who's not a, you know, an athlete in the sense that Arian Foster is. We've seen all the injuries he's had in the past. He's come back from the groin injury this year. But uh, just with Foster... Uh, long term now uh, I would actually have to fear for his long term future, this could be the last we see of Arian Foster in the National Football League just because of the severity of this injury it hasn't been really, from what I've heard anyone talking about it hasn't been talked about how severe it is but from an injury point of view, an Achilles is probably the worst thing you can tear in your whole body Yeah and do you know what, in the last few weeks we've seen probably my two favourite running backs to watch in him and Jamal Charles both go down, both yeah. such patient runners, both guys who can find a hole like nobody else but then have that great burst they can both catch the ball and to see uh, guys like that both go down to non-contact injuries is it's devastating and honestly Arian Foster going down is the, a kick in the teeth that the Texans who are already in a hole really didn't need um, I hope it's not the last we see of Arian Foster I love watching this guy run um, but yeah it's uh, it, it doesn't look great does it yeah, and unfortunately, obviously for the Texans, there's a running back that you know it's not looking good for in the future. But a running back that you know you can change your perspective over to now. Well, is uh, playing for the St. Louis Rams. On the preview show, I predicted I went for a bold prediction. I went for Todd Gurley to get at least two touchdowns in this game, and he he goes for the two. Uh, the St. Louis Rams winning 24 
two six in this one. Uh, impressed with Todd Gurley so far? Yes, you have to be. I have to hold my hands up and say that uh, we we people who do listen to our show and have listened to it in the past, I loved yeah. the Todd Gurley pick. I hated the fit. I didn't see the point of bringing a running back to a team which doesn't really have an offensive line which doesn't have a passing threat which is all about the defense and obviously he's such a unique playmaker that they thought they saw that and they were going to give him the opportunity i've just been completely blown out of the water this uh, he's just it's absolutely ridiculous how good he is actually and when he hits the hole and he gets up to the second level nobody can touch him it seems and he's just breaking big run after big run after big run uh, he, um, I think I read he finished with 163 yards from scrimmage. Nick Foles finished with 163 yeah. passing yards. So Gurley actually led them round, uh, and he led them in uh, receptions as well. So he is just a one-man team. And what's great is when they can get, I, I spoke about the seven le- second level, he's given new life to Tavon Austin as well, who they tried to use those trick plays with Tavon Austin in the past, where they're running him in sweeps, where they're running him... Uh, you know, as a running back, they're running him even in a kind of eye formation, in all sorts of different positions, and it's never quite worked. It's always had potential. When you pair him up with Gurley, what he does is him being in that backfield forces the linebackers, forces the safeties to sit deeper, which offers those holes to Todd Gurley, which lets him burst into that secondary, and he's just ridiculously elusive when he gets there. I, I love watching this guy run, and actually he gives the Rams a chance to be a wildcard team this year based off his play alone. Yeah, he's absolutely phenomenal so far. You mentioned getting into that second level. So smooth in his running state. It looks like he's kind of just out for a jog and he's running away from people. So he's been very, very impressive. And the next stat I was going to use was the one about Nick Foles with the 163 passing yards and Gurley with the 163 yards from scrimmage. But he uh, he just looks so good. You're going to put the offense on him. It's going to help Nick Foles as well, take the pressure off him. And obviously, if people are coming down to stack the box to try and stop Todd Gurley, it's going to open it up for the receivers, give him a little bit more time in the pocket. So overall, it's looking like a very good choice for the, the Rams so far. And obviously, coming back from such a serious injury as well. You know, we've seen Adrian Peterson do it in the past, come back and look so good so quick. And uh, Todd Gurley's doing it so far this season. So a big win for them uh, against the Cleveland Browns uh, in this one. Uh, Josh McCown going down with an injury. Johnny Manziel coming in, but it didn't really affect things all that much. And we'll see uh, Josh McCown described his day-to-day with that injury. But overall, the Rams, a uh, phenomenal defence at the moment, had a, a defensive touchdown in this too. So I think uh, they're looking good. See see if they can get above 8-8 eight this season. That's, that's the challenge for them, as always, with Jeff Fisher. Uh, next up, a game that was pretty pretty poor to watch. And the Atlanta Falcons started the season, uh, you know, 5-0. and were looking phenomenal. And uh, lost last week uh, to the Saints. And this week they go on the road to the Titans. The Titans getting blown out last week by the Dolphins. A 10-7 to ball game. Did not look all that impressive watching it. I've met Ryan in a lot of fantasy football leagues. And he's just looked a little bit erratic in the last few weeks. Uh, haven't been all that impressed with what he's been doing. Uh, Mettenberger starting here for the Titans. So it was a game I thought the Falcons would win quite easily. But in the end, they scrape over the line with a, you know some bad decision-making play call. And just overall, not a good game to talk about probably. Uh, did you get to see any of this? Look, uh, this isn't a game that's worth talking about in too much depth. Just on Matt Ryan, I mean, they've obviously been putting it behind uh, Devonta Freeman. He's looked ridiculous through four weeks. Uh, he didn't have a game today, which I think was the big problem for them. But uh, the, the biggest talking point was the fact that, uh, uh, that people always want to talk about good teams, uh, great teams, if they can win ugly. And I think that's what the Falcons did here. The Titans are erratic, but they had one of their best defensive performances, the Falcons, that I've seen in recent times uh, from them, certainly. And Dan Quinn has brought a, a different mentality to that team. And I think 
I love the Panthers this year, and I think it's really unfortunate for Dan Quinn and the Falcons that the Panthers are looking so good, because otherwise I would fancy them for the NFC South just on how tough they're playing. Uh, but I still, I think they're a playoff team, and uh, we can see anything can happen in January, can't it? Yeah, and you mentioned they won ugly. Well, I don't think you can win much uglier than this. But the next game up in a team that should have won a game, but they lost it in ugly fashion, was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They had a, a good enough lead in this game for the majority of it. And uh, then they lost to the Washington Redskins 31-30 to with a you know a last kind of minute drive uh, for the Redskins to win this one. Kirk Cousins had a terrible start to the game, bounced back and uh, helped them get, get the result here in this one. Uh, Vincent Jackson got injured in it. They had a couple of other injuries as well. Lewis Murphy had a knee injury, which looked pretty bad at the time. Still waiting on news off that. But uh, I have to say, overall, Eric Reid coming back from concussion, he has to be the, the star of this game at tight end for the Redskins, catching that one and touchdown, and very, very impressive overall. Yeah, and the thing is, here, what I didn't get with the Bucks, and I don't, I'm not a Lovey Smith fan by any stretch of the imagination. I, I don't think, I think he inherited a good roster in Chicago and didn't do enough with it. And I think. The, ta- the Bucks, uh, when they, sorry, the uh, Washington, when they had that opportunity at the goal line, they ran the slant, they gave it to Jordan Reed. It was the perfect play for that situation. They scored the touchdown. Comes down to the end of the game, the death. They need the touchdown to win. They run the exact same play, and the Bucks don't yeah, yeah. it's going to happen. That's just, that's bad, bad coaching. That's bad play calling, and you can't allow that to happen. The best talking point from this game for me, however, was Kirk Cousins' reaction afterwards. If no, if people have, <laughs> yeah, yeah. go out and search out on, uh, on Twitter. I think we've retweeted it from the at Gridiron account. I'm sure of Time Island on top of that as well. Uh, just yeah. him coming in and screaming in the faces of the media. Uh, you like that. You like that because obviously, he's been getting so much stick over recent weeks uh, was it's wonderful to see some genuine emotion and passion from NFL quarterbacks I'm sick of your Russell Wilsons who will go yeah it was a good team effort I defense did well uh, saying all the things they're meant to say something (laughs) what you mean and Cousins as little as I like him as a quarterback and I think he turns the ball over way too much uh, I know he does because I can see the stats um, but that, <laughs> I, he suddenly jumped up my uh, rankings in terms of likability, that's for sure. Yeah, the, the Redskins, I didn't mention at the start, were 24 points behind, 24-0 uh, to zero starting this game. So a real blowing uh, result here for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And Kurt Cousins helped them. Oh, he got them into that situation behind, but he did help get them forward. And I'm uh, one of his biggest critics, I would imagine, and uh, he got the win here, so give him credit. And- the, you mentioned there, you know, obviously, uh, a quarterback celebrating after the game. I'm... The Panthers aren't the best team to watch, but when they're going well, I'm really enjoying watching what Cam Newton's doing at the moment. I just think his attitude, the way he plays, and just uh, I really enjoy watching it. But when they won this game against the uh, Eagles, 27 to 16, uh, before the the field goal was kicked, it was almost blocked at the end of it by the the Panthers. Cam Newton over at the sideline with his helmet off, cheering up the crowd. I think that's what you need to see. You need to see players trying to get involved more, enjoying themselves rather than just being robots. But in the end, Cam Newton had a rushing touchdown in this. There was a couple of strange interceptions for him in this one. He had three picks. I think one of them was probably down to him. The other two, pretty bizarre uh, interceptions in it. Again, the Eagles offense not looking good, but Ryan Matthews looked good in this one. He had a long touchdown. Uh, very impressive. They're kinda, the Panthers going on what you'd expect them to do, leaning on uh, the running game with Jonathan Stewart, Cam Newton and Mike Tolbert, the human bowling ball had uh, two touchdowns in this one, the second one really should have been stopped by the Eagles some pretty pretty low standard defending in it and uh, overall the Panthers getting the win in this, Luke Keekley back for the Panthers, looked sensational and uh, Thomas Davis as well, 
looking as good as he always does. Yeah, and the fact is is that they obviously they lost Greg Hardy last year and it seemed to put their pass rush completely out of contention. This year, suddenly their front seven is back up playing to the level we've seen him play in recent years. I think Cam Newton, I put a couple of the inceptions on him because there's one that comes in and out of the hands of the receiver, but he does hit yeah. high and hard, and I think that's almost uncatchable, to be honest. So I, I'm not going to give him too much credit for that, but you're right, they put it on the rush, and again, it's a team winning ugly when their best player isn't playing his best week that has really impressed me about this Panthers team. Um, uh, the fact is he's doing it with a bunch of number four receivers plus Greg Olsen. Greg Olsen didn't have to have a big game today because they ran the ball so much, but we talked about badly coached team. This is a brilliantly coached team. They just seem to be getting every play call right. They seem to be getting every game right, sussing their opponents out. And I think people weren't taking them too seriously until last week. They beat the Seahawks. Suddenly they beat the Eagles as well in back-to-back weeks. And people are talking about the Panthers as a really legitimate team. Uh, um, Cam Newton's grown into that as well. Cam Newton, uh, I'm sure people will remember from his first yeah, season. Yeah. Stroppy and difficult, and his linemen wouldn't pick him up, and he had a really difficult time of it. And he's really grown into that role as a leader, and it's fantastic to see this young man take the mantle over and really take that team on. And I, I love the Panthers this year. Yeah, and he's playing with a, a great defence. I mentioned Davis Keekley. I didn't mention Josh Norman. He's oh. really been shut down this season, and he had one phenomenal play, uh, a pass towards Ertz. It was looked like a touchdown all day long, and he dives as if he's a like a Premier League goalkeeper and tips it away as if it's going into the top corner. Like a, a guaranteed touchdown to Zach Ertz stops the play and helps the team get the win. So he's been playing phenomenal this season. I would say, I would say at the moment, definitely the, the best cornerback play in the, in the National Football League. We'll see if he continues it for the rest of the season. But two more games left to bounce before we finish up. The Oakland Raiders getting a huge win on the road against the San Diego Chargers. Locked in control pretty much all of the game. And I mentioned earlier Todd Gurley uh, having a good game. And I said on the preview show as well, the other player I've been really enjoying watching in his rookie year is uh, Amari Cooper. Had another nice game here. Looks so talented, so early in his career. A couple of jump balls he caught in this one. And the Chargers really offensive line issues again. Just couldn't get the ball going, couldn't stop anything on defense. And the Oakland Raiders uh, with a deserved win in this game. You know, the, this final score kind of reflects favorably on the Chargers with uh, a couple of late touchdowns to Danny Woodhead. I think the Raiders really dominated this game. The Chargers season in big, big trouble. The Oakland Raiders looking to move forward and uh I've been wondering the last few weeks, could we see a coaching change coming in San Diego? I don't think they're quite ready for that yet. I think you're absolutely right about the offensive line. Uh, this The score did flatter than 23 fourth quarter points, coming back from, I think, they were 37-6 down before that. Um, I, I got a lot of time for Phil Rivers, but I think if they're not going to get the run game going, if the offensive line's not going to help him, then they're not going to be able to get that clicking early on. And... They've got some great pieces on the defense as well. There are players in that Chargers uh, front line, and particularly in their linebacking core, Melvin Ingram in particular, I'm a big, big fan of, good safety. So they should be doing more than they're doing. And I'd be surprised to see a coaching change before the end of the season for them, but they certainly need to be improving. And I said it earlier, the worst teams are teams with bad offensive lines this year. But I did want to mention Amari Cooper. I know you've said it already, but that yeah. is a force of nature. It's unbelievable. The, um, you mentioned a couple of jump balls. There was the one deep over the middle, which he caught, which got a Raiders drive going. But the touchdown, there's a, there's a moment in it where it does look like uh, the, the safety Jimmy Wilson's going to cut in and make the tackle. And he just stops dead on a dime. Let's Jimmy Wilson walk <laughs> past him, sidesteps, and then just walks into the end zone. And I, I just uh, my jaw was on the floor from that single move alone. He has been phenomenal this year. And actually, between him, Latavius Murray, Derek Carr, they're starting to put together a really interesting team there in Oakland. They actually look like an NFL roster final. 
Yeah, and you mentioned Derek Carr. You know, some people talking about how well he's playing. I think a lot of it, though, is down to how good Cooper is. You can throw that, you know, even not even 50-50, even lower odds, and, you know, he still has a great chance of getting it. If he's not going to get it, I don't think the defensive back's going to get it. He topped 100 yards again. He's played six games in the NFL. He's got 100 yards and three off his six games. So if he keeps on this trajectory, we talked about Odell Beckham last season, keep an eye out for uh, Amari Cooper. I don't think you're going to have to keep an eye out for him because I think he's going to be staring you flat in the face. Uh, very, very good game for him here. Big win for the Raiders and uh, their fan base, you know, who's had a tough, tough run of it, uh, starting to lock up for them. And just, you know, both teams here linked with going to LA. I think when you're looking at uh, the way the crowd was here for the San Diego Chargers, you would have thought this game was in the black hole in Oakland. The fan base seems to have quit as well on the Chargers. So we'll see what happens now in the next few weeks with the team meetings. Will uh, the Chargers be moved? Will they both be moved? But we'll see how it goes. The Oakland Raiders fans seem to be far more behind this young team than the Chargers are with their organization. Last game of the week, the New York Giants uh, playing against the Dallas Cowboys. A lot of people picking the Cowboys to win this game coming off the bye week. I wasn't on board. It was with the New York Giants. and It was a game that Eli Manning didn't have to do a whole lot in. A lot of it done by uh, a defensive touchdown. They had a special teams return for a touchdown by the former Cowboy Harris. He returns it. And uh, overall, um, it looked like uh, the Cowboys had chances to win this. The, the interceptions that were thrown by Matt Castle makes them no better at all than uh, the option they had in before at quarterback. And uh, overall, I just think the Cowboys really need to get Dez back, really need to get Romo back. The Dez on the sideline in this one, having a few arguments with Hardy as well. So we'll see how that goes. The bright spot for them was uh, Darren McFadden. Looked really, really good in this game. Uh, some nice running from him. Looked a little bit of... Bo- bo- uh, of a turbo boost in him and uh, playing a bit like maybe you would have thought he could early in his career we'll see if he can keep it going and hopefully the, the hamstring injuries can stay away for for a few weeks anyway for Cowboys fans and Darren McFadden yeah you, you absolutely nail on the head I suspect Darren McFadden will be down within three weeks now that he's finally like he's <laughs> going to win that role I, I've never backed Joseph Randall to do well there I've never been a huge fan of his and it, not necessarily as a player overall but the style of running the Cowboys run with that zone blocking offensive line which looked so good last year and has fallen off a bit this year. I thought they were better with, better with Lyle Collins in this week, um, which obviously helps McFadden, Joseph Randall, going out early with the strain. But the fact is, is we want to talk about Dez, we want to talk about Romo. I think Dez is the bigger miss here because whilst they play, to come back to it, that zone uh, blocking offence, teams knowing they haven't got Dez on the outside and knowing that you're throwing to the likes of Devin Street and Colby and these sorts of guys, well, if Dez isn't out there, then they're able to commit their best men to stuffing the box. And it doesn't matter how good your offensive line is. They're coming up against seven or eight guys. They're not going to be able to block for anybody. And so teams have been able to suss the, the Cowboys out and give them a really tough time on offense. But that's not to take away from the Giants. The Giants uh, have been a team who, with no big names on their defense this year, with Odo Beckham actually playing nowhere near the level he did last season, they're still making the occasional big splashy play they've managed to keep scraping wins and keep looking decent and I think they took a they they took a bit of a knock with the loss earlier in the week but overall I've had the Giants down to win this division since (laughs) bizarrely since they were 0-2 but um, (laughs) I I do think the Giants uh, at the moment look like the most consistent team in a bad NFC East and I think they'll go to the playoffs this year 
yeah, they look a lot more consistent than the rest of the teams. And you mentioned some of the you know the deficiencies that they have, like without the big name defensive players. Don't forget they do have Arlene's Darkwa playing running back for them, <laughs> uh, who came in in this game and uh, picked up a touchdown. Outplayed Rashid Jennings uh, quite significantly in this game, but they didn't have the ball too much. Uh, the Cowboys dominating possession, 38 minutes and four seconds, 21 minutes and 56. Dominated on yards, had 27 first downs to just the the New York Giants 13. It was just a case of uh, you know the quarterback turnovers. Matt Castle had three drives in a row, which one was picked off for a pick six, and he had two others that were intercepted as well. One of them he went in a deep throw, was intercepted down near the Giants goal line. So uh, overall, just you know quarterback issues. And you mentioned missing uh, Des Bryant more than Tony Romo. Well, when we talked about Amari Cooper, De- Derek Carr can throw those balls up high and just hope that his wide receiver makes a play. And of course, when you have Des Bryant in the team, he does very much a similar scenario than that. So. Uh, just the Cowboys need to get their two stars back. We'll see how it goes in the next few weeks for them. The Giants get a bit of a, a bit of a command and lead now in this division. See if they can keep it going over the next couple of weeks. And uh, when you look as well at the, the struggles of the Philadelphia Eagles, I'm I'm not buying into the Eagles at all for the rest of the season. Just they, they look so disappointing offensively, and uh, they're playing their defense is keeping them in game. So we'll see how it goes now in the next few weeks but that's all the games wrapped up uh, as we record this Monday Night Football obviously hasn't taken place yet so uh, I'll do a recap of that on the back end of the show but uh, thanks Will for coming on the show as always uh, it, it was a good uh, run trying to get you on the show hopefully we'll have you back on sooner than uh, it took to get you on the first time but any of the listeners listening I'm sure a lot of them know him from his time at Tuesday Morning Football and of course the Great Iron Podcast it's uh, Will Gavin and his Twitter handle is at Will Gav just uh, anything else going on at the moment that you want to give a quick plug to or anything uh, Will before you wrap up? Yeah, I mean, obviously check out the magazine as well. Our website's gridiron-magazine.com. If people do subscribe before the beginning of November, they are in for a chance to win a a chance to go to the AFC or NFC Championship game with sports travel tours. So that's really worth subscribing almost just to get into enter that competition before you even get yeah, fantastic yeah. content that's in there otherwise uh, we had a really good chat with delvin bro from the uh, from the saints on this last show that i think is worth going back and listening to even if you don't listen to our nonsense in the preview and it's <laughs> just just keep checking us out we uh, we appreciate it we managed to meet up with some fans at the hippodrome last night and uh, i'm feeling a little worse for wear today after doing so um it's always great to hear fit feedback from people and, and it's great to hear guys like yourselves and the other guys doing it independently in the UK uh, having having such a great time with it so you know I, I think the game is the healthiest it's been in Britain in the last 20 years and I think that's a really positive thing. Yeah it's always good fun talking football with anyone you can so uh, really enjoying it and uh, hopefully the people will check out obviously the, the magazine as well and you mentioned uh, Bro uh, has to be one of the best names in the NFL but uh, with that we'll, uh, we'll let you go and uh, I'll finish on one last thing little treat for you. <laughs> well, uh, that's Kurt Cousins. Uh, the first time he's been on the show, possibly the last time he's been on the show, but I was looking for it uh, earlier when you mentioned it, and I just could not get it to come up, uh, whatever was wrong with my iPad, so um, that there's a, a nice way to finish the show. Kurt Cousins, the Washington Redskins, pick up the big W this week, and uh, with that, going into the bye week, uh, Jay Gruden's going to keep his job. I had questioned, would he keep it if they'd lost this game? Well, they, they got over the line, and uh, we'll see how they do after the bye, but thanks uh, Will for coming on the show, and uh, hopefully all of you on again soon. Brilliant, really enjoyed it, pal. Hi, this is former NFL offensive lineman Ross Tucker, the host of the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, and you are listening to the Overtime Island Podcast. So thanks to Will for coming on the show. We have been trying to set that up for quite some time, and uh, thankfully got him on the show. We'll have him on soon again. 
Monday Night Football now also in the books as I mentioned we recorded that before Monday Night Football the uh, Baltimore Ravens getting uh, another loss in the El Column I was about to say they got the win they didn't get the win the Arizona Cardinals got the win in this one Cardinals pretty much in control throughout the game and then came down to the last play of the game where uh, Joe Flacco tossed a, an interception in the end zone to seal the deal for the uh, Arizona Cardinals there was a possibility obviously of them getting a, a touchdown a two point conversion to tie things up but it didn't uh, It didn't happen and the Cardinals move forward they're looking really really good defensively looking good offensively didn't really hit the high gears that you'd expect them over the last couple of weeks but they had that loss last week to the Steelers so a better performance from them on Monday Night Football and we're going to see going forward because they're going to be playing the Green Bay Packers in a couple of weeks I know the Packers had their bye week but you know there's a lot of talk obviously the Packers playing the Broncos this coming week and how big of a game that is but when you're looking for the uh, you know the NFC home field advantage you're going to really have to look down as well to teams like the Cardinals who are on a real real good run real strong home field advantage uh, over there in the dome so we'll see uh, in a few weeks how that game goes but a lot of stuff going to be to look forward to in week eight and we're going to be getting another guest on I've been in talk with a number of different people uh, about coming on the show in the next couple of weeks and just uh, I'll keep it under wraps as to who is this week's guest people like Greg Rosenthal and talks are coming on uh, Chris Wesseling back on again from around the NFL the two of them on that podcast and Christopher Harris of course formerly off ESPN now has his own po- podcast the Harris football podcast a couple of other ones that we'll just keep under wraps uh, so looking forward to talking to them on recap shows preview shows and hopefully you'll enjoy listening to them as well so that there will all be coming up uh, we'll be doing our preview show it'll be out either Friday or Thursday so stay tuned for that and the best way to find out when it goes up is to subscribe you'll get it instantly then once it is online and available so uh, I'd advise you to hopefully you'll go and subscribe and stay tuned to that Overtime Ireland Twitter feed I'll be tweeting out a bit looking for some questions for those guests as well so stay tuned to that send us your questions and uh, get involved let's interact with the show and the listener we'd like to always get your suggestions and uh, your topics in so that's week 7 in the books and until I'm back with another show later in the week of course have a good one thank you for listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast Please follow us on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. Check out OvertimeIreland.com and continue to spread the word. This has been an Overtime Ireland production.